welcome to Your Best Writing Life, an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week, I bring you tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you excel in your craft. I'm so glad you're listening in today. Today, we're sharing five tips to improve your writing environment. My industry expert is also my friend, Sarah Turnquist. Sarah is a coffee-loving, word-slinging, clean historical romance author. She lives happily with her own Prince Charming and their gaggle of minions, three to be exact. Sarah's books range from the Czech lands to the American Wild West, from ancient Egypt to the early 1900s. Sarah Turnquist, welcome, welcome to your best writing life. Thank you, Linda. I am so thrilled to be on with you. It's my pleasure, my joy to have you here, my friend. Right now, we're going to take a peek behind the curtain into the life of our expert. Sarah, please share something with us that we may not read in your bio. Well, I have had many wonderful opportunities to work in actually a variety of fields. I've been a sleep medicine tech. I have worked in zoo education, and I've worked on site for the Walt Disney Company. What did you do for Walt Disney? Oh, I was a zoo educator there as well. Um, We did educational opportunities in the park in Disney's Animal Kingdom for young kids. And for the adults, we would take them on tours of like the animal night houses, the nutrition center where the diets are prepared, the vet hospital, give them a little peek behind the curtain. Oh, that's so good. I'll give you a little insight to me that really I've not talked about before on the air. I was a veterinarian technician, actually had the opportunity to work at the San Antonio Zoo behind the scenes with veterinarian Joe Clay Brown. Did some work on the lions, got to go into the nursery area, welcoming in new animals that arrived on site. Such a fun job. I will tell you, it brought a lot of joy to me just to see God's creation up close and not be afraid of it. Sedation is really good. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It is a joy to have you here with us. And we're going to jump right into the content for today. We're looking at five tips to improve your writing environment. Go ahead and just give us in a nutshell what the five tips are, and then we'll go into more detail. All right, excellent. The first tip that I have is to look at your productivity. The second is to have an ergonomically sound writing environment. Number three, break writer's block with good habits. Number four, set good goals. Number five, well, we'll get to that. Okay, okay. Well, I like a little surprise. I'm good with surprises. That's okay. Let's look at number one then. What are your tips on productivity for our writers? First, I think it's important to think about your productivity because time is one commodity that we cannot get back, right? So it's important to manage your time instead of letting it manage you. One of the things that I encourage writers is to find first the prime time of day for them. And everyone is unique. Um, So you want to find that time when you're, you're, 
firing on all cylinders and your brain is working at great capacity. Not those times a day when you're just pulling teeth through a wall to get anything written, right? Mm. So one of the things that I encourage as well with finding that prime time is to chart your day for maybe a week or so. And you're going to think about your day in chunks of time. So we have the early morning workers, those chirping birds kind of people, sometime before 10 a.m. So that's if that's your most productive time. Then there's the late morning, 10 to 12. And then the early afternoon, like 12 to 3. Then you have the later afternoon, that late, late afternoon, 3 to 5. And then the evening, those night owls. So what you want to do is notice your energy level during those times. So maybe chart every couple hours, every three hours for, again, about a week. And you're going to think about your mood, your energy level, other factors that are going into that time. Did you have your coffee? Did you have a meal? Was it a healthy meal? Was it more like junk food? And how did that make you feel going into that time block? So after you've charted that for a little while, then you can kind of see where you're more creatively productive. For example, I have this terrible, terrible slump in the early afternoon. So I know that about myself, that doing creative work between like one and three in the afternoon is going to be completely wasted effort and it's going to make me frustrated. But I know that I am a night owl naturally. So those evening hours The work that I produce is better in quantity and quality during that time. So if I can work with my energy flow instead of against it, I find that it's easier on me, less frustrating, and it's just better output. I would also encourage you to think about if theming your days would be better. Instead of having like, I do this at 10 a.m. every day, I do this at noon every day. Some people do better with that, but some people do better if they have a writing day maybe once or twice a week, and then they have a marketing day on another day, and so on and so forth. Setting up their tasking that way allows some to be more productive. I also really, really like the Pomodoro method for productivity. Some people may be familiar with that already. You basically set a timer, and for 25 minutes, you focus on your task. Then you take a five-minute break. You do four rounds of that, and then you take a longer break. This allows you to have that intense focus, but it also gives you an opportunity to kind of let your brain rest for a minute. You can scroll Facebook or play on Pinterest. So it allows you to indulge in those things without getting too pulled into them too far from your focus task. So those are some of the things that I really like with productivity. Just think about what's your flow, what works best for you, and it's going to be unique for each person. There are many ways to cross a river, but you only need one path, right? There are many roads to Oz and there's only one yellow brick road, but it's only just the one way. Oh, that's good. I like that. Many ways to cross a river, but you only need one. Ah, this is good. And I like the concept of having those blocks of time, taking a rest, having blocks of time taking a rest. Mm -hmm. And for me, with the different personalities that I teach on, rest looks different for different people. Mm. For some, it's just getting up and moving. For others, it's actually, hey, I'm going to jump on the treadmill. I'm going to physically move my body. With others, it may just be sitting outside and just enjoying the weather. So all of these actions, which they are actions, and I really like that, 
can help us to come back and refocus again in the area that we need to be getting a certain task done. Excellent tips on productivity. Well, let's move then into the ergonomics of our writing environment. I do want to define the word for us, ergonomics, before we move on, because I want us to make sure we're all on the same page. So I looked up Webster's definition, and it says that ergonomics is the study of people's efficiency in their work environment. Now, I think that's an interesting definition because that's part of what we think about when most people think about ergonomics. But more often, we're thinking about our position at the keyboard and how our Mm -hmm. posture is and how we can reduce strain and improve our movements to promote better health for ourselves. And we know as writers that we spend gobs of time sitting at our computer or our laptop. And so it's important to just be mindful of our body position. So for the keyboard, the the recommendation is to keep your keyboard such that your elbows can be close to your body and your wrists as straight as possible. Some people even get one of those split keyboards to help promote that straight wrist. You want your keyboard one to two inches above your thighs, and your keyboard and mouse should be shoulder width apart, ideally. You'll want to have your computer screen at eye level. Now, that is super, super important because you you want to promote the proper curvature of your neck. I found at one point that I had developed some degeneration in the discs in my neck because I was looking down for such a long time for many hours at a time. And so I became interested in ergonomics at that point and found that I needed to raise up my screen. So I got one of these handy dandy portable laptop desks and I just lifted it up. You also want to have some sort of lumbar support in your chair, unless your office chair already has inbuilt lumbar support. So I'm talking like a small pillow behind the small of your back, and that just properly aligns your upper back is really what that's for. So some of the tools that I use for proper alignment are, again, the portable laptop desk. I swiped a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse from my husband, so I'm properly aligned now. Um, He also likes a standing desk. That is one of the things that can really help some people to get that movement and blood flow going while you're working. Some people like either a balance board or a desk mat with their standing desk. But I recommend for everybody to use some kind of timer. So you want to get up every 30 to 45 minutes. Again, that increases circulation. And we as writers are really relying on our brain and that creative energy. And so we need to keep that blood flowing. You know, Sarah, I really like that you have given us practical application here. And I think what we'll probably provide in the show notes are going to be some of the links where individuals can find like the split keyboard. Mm -hmm. and different types of lumbar support, even standing desk options for them. And timers, I'm going to tell you all, find one that fits your personality. If it's fun, you're going to love it. If it's practical and you're the organizer, you're going to like that. The socializer always likes things that are fun. Make sure that it has a ring or a announcement that makes you smile when you hear it, not something that you want to pick up and throw across the room. 
So <laughs> that, you know, that's one of those that kind of wears on you and you're like, going, okay, but I'm not finished yet. Well, right. you know, but what, what I have really learned to embrace is that if we practice what we need to do, practice makes better. It will not make perfect, but better is beyond where we began. Mm. So I'm always for that. This is really good. All right. So we've touched on productivity. We've looked at the ergonomics of writing. And now let's let's discuss the good habits that you can suggest that would help us break writer's block. Excellent. Well, I'm also, I'm also going to give you a definition here for writer's block because, again, I just want us to all be on the same page. Webster defines writer's block as the condition of being unable to think of what to write or how to proceed with writing. I think that encompasses it really, really well. Before I get into the tips, I did want to speak a little bit to the common causes of writer's block. One of the things that we're starting to see in the writing world just since the pandemic hit is something called COVID ennui. Ennui is a feeling of listlessness and dissatisfaction arising from a lack of occupation or excitement. During the lockdowns, which are still in some places, the lack of stimulation from the outside world kind of created this sense of ennui for a lot of creative people, not just writers, but that's the field I'm in. So that's what I pay attention to. For many creatives, there was this burst of activity at the beginning of the lockdowns because we have all this time, right? All this time to right. get stuff done that we didn't have before. But then something happened along the way, maybe a rejection or just the fatigue from the mental and creative fatigue from everything going on. And then all of a sudden court TV is starting to look really good. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, right. I was there. I was there. So some of these writers block tips can help with that lingering feeling of ennui. If any of you are relating to what I'm saying, one of the things that can cause writers block as well is timing. It could just be too early in your plotting process or your ideas may need more time to simmer if you're a pantser or, or plotter as well. Uh, another reason is fear. Fear is actually the main reason that writers never become authors is the fear of putting yourself out there, putting your ideas out into the world, or for those who have been published, fear that this book won't be as good as the last one was. Anybody feel it? The last thing I want to talk about in this area is perfectionism. I like to think of perfectionism as the thought that someone somewhere might be able to do it better. And I feel this on a deep level, right? Some writers feel the need to have their story just so, just right, before they even put it down on paper. And so they never get it just right, so they never get started. Some writers want to get their manuscript absolutely perfect before they send it on to their editor or their publisher or query it. And the challenge is, is that we can always tweak the manuscript. We can always improve it in some way. I've heard writing coaches talk about this rule and I ascribe to it. It's called the 90% rule where you are 90% happy with your manuscript before you send it on. Because again, you're never going to be 100% satisfied with it, but you do want to put out a really good product from yourself. So I like that 90% rule. Now let's get into the habits that I think are very, very helpful for 
preventing writer's block and overcoming it when you do have it. One of them we've already talked about, it's getting up and moving ever so often to get that blood flowing. The second habit is eliminating distractions when you write. This seems like a gimme, like one, something that we should all be immediately realizing that we should do, but something that few of us actually do when we sit down to write. There are programs like Cold Turkey or OmWriter who can help you eliminate distractions on your computer by preventing pop-ups. If you use Scrivener, there's a mode called the Compose Mode that will prevent pop-ups from coming through your screen as well. Something that you can do is frequently change your environment. So instead of just working at your desk every day, all day long, try working in a coffee shop. That's something that can stimulate creativity as well. Regular brainstorming is good as well, whether you do that in like a brain map web form or a bullet form, like for outlining, just getting those creative juices flowing, get that creativity and inspiration working for you. Doing other creative things can also help, such as drawing, painting, anything that you like to do for a hobby, listening to music. Music is known as a shortcut to the heart. So I like to listen to music that moves me and then I'll close my eyes and just pay attention to the pictures, the images, that playing movie that develops. Reading books can also stimulate creativity. Regularly uh, reading, which is not something that we as writers are challenged with. Something if you're stuck in a place on your manuscript is to do more research that can actually stimulate more story ideas and bring out ideas that you didn't even think about. Just from a research standpoint, if you only ever research to find answers to your questions, then you'll never know what you never know. Mm -hmm. So those of us that write historical probably already familiar with this. If you read a book about that topic, then it brings in information you never would have known to search for, and that can inform and enhance your plot. Uh, coffee, coffee, coffee. <laughs> I don't advocate. <laughs> I certainly don't advocate too much caffeine, but coffee and, or having tea or something warm to drink can really help with your writing. A daily routine, unless you're wanting to theme your days, like I talked about before, having a regular writing time. So when you sit down, it kind of summons that muse, if you will, instead of you having to chase it. Another thing that can help is writing games. I never knew that writing games existed until I read some of James Scott Bell's books. He has some great writing games in some of his books, but you can also Google writing games and those can help a lot doing them regularly, doing them when you're blocked, those kind of things. I want to talk about a couple of things that do not help with writer's block procrastinating or refusing to write until you feel inspired. Sometimes you have to start writing to get that pump flowing. Wallowing in self-pity. I know none of us want to think that we do that, but that will not help your creative block. Binging something on TV generally is not helpful. Not that you can't get creative ideas from watching things on television, but television is more of a consumption thing rather than a creative sparking thing. Again, not that you can't get sparked that way, but in general, reading is a better way to consume and be creative. 
But the best way to overcome writer's block, I like to call it a silver bullet. It's going to work, but many people don't want to talk about it and don't want to think about it when they're blocked. But absolutely the best way is writing. It doesn't have to be perfect. It can be complete garbage because you can edit garbage, right? You can't edit a blank page. So some of the things that can stimulate better creativity with your writing is to maybe change the mode that you're using. If you're writing on a computer, switch to longhand or freehand writing and vice versa. You could write a document in your character's point of view about really anything, but try to write it just for your creative spark. Try not to think, oh, this is going to go in my manuscript. So then your editor comes in, right? But just write for fun and to get to know your character. Sometimes characters need to move around on the page, if you will, to get talking so you can know them and experience them. Writing prompts are a great way to start writing when you're blocked. And again, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be fabulous, earth-shattering writing, or even something that you'd be willing to share. It just has to be writing. I do like that. And there are times I have to get up and do that in the morning do kind of like a writing dump where I get up in the morning and just get stuff out on paper so that it releases my brain to put more stuff in there. Because if I'm needing the spirit to download some information, I've got to make room for it. If I'm trying to carry over what I was dealing with yesterday, I need to release that as well so I can see exactly how this works for us as writers great tips, great ways Mm. to break that stalling of our creativity. Really like it. All right, Mm. now let's look at the goal tips that you have for writers. Mm -hmm. I think goals are very important. They help us know what to work on and when. So the first thing you want to do is think about setting some goals for yourself. And as we move into the new year, although you can do it anytime, This is a great time to think about it. What projects do you want to complete or start and finish this year? You also want to think about as writers, how many writing sessions do you have every week? For some of us, a writing session is a couple hours. For some of us, it's 30 minutes. Whatever it is for you, how many of those sessions do you have a week? And how many words do you normally get in your session unit? And then you have to do that writer's math right? And figure up about how many books you think you'll be able to write or how many of those goals you'll be able to accomplish. But one thing I want to caution you on is to be conservative and realistic. One of the challenges that I had this past year was I set my goals, I was ready to go, but I didn't take into account things like family time, holidays, the summer, we just, I just generally don't have as much time to write in the summer because my kids are out of school. So I didn't make all my goals. I made several of them, but I learned from it that I need to be more conservative and realistic and think about all those wild cards that get thrown into your week and into your life. I think it's important after you set your goals to stick to your deadlines that you've set for yourself. John Roan says, discipline is the bridge between goals an accomplishment. So if you tell yourself you're going to get in one writing session this week on Tuesday, do it. You really need to be true to yourself. Keep a promise mm-hmm. to yourself. That's very important. And I encourage writers to make small measurable 
steps along the way to the goal so that you can reward yourself for completing those things. And I really think that it's important for everyone, but certainly in my writing life, I found this to be true, that it's important for me to learn how to use that word no. <laughs> Ah. No is a very, yes, it can be a very scary word for some of us, but I want to share a couple of things about no. Every yes means you're saying no to something else. You only have the same number of hours in the week as everybody else. So if you're saying yes to a commitment, you're actually saying no to other things that, that would normally fill that time up. So it's important to know your priorities in your life and your goals and to embrace them. For example, I have three goals, three priorities, really they're priorities in my life. It's my family, ministry, and my writing. So if something doesn't fall within the, one of those categories and somebody asks me to do it, I'll say, I need to think about it. I need to pray about it before I commit to that. If they can't wait, it's an automatic no, right? Because it's important to be honest about your time and to be true to your priorities. And no, even though it's hard, truthfully is a respectful thing to do, hmm. right? Because if you can't give a good bit of yourself to that commitment, you're not being respectful to that person by saying yes. And you're certainly not being respectful to yourself if you're going to end up ragged and worn out. So I like to think of no as being a very respectful thing to say. Brandilyn Collins has a quote that I really, really like. She says, she was actually talking about her story though. She says, when I looked at my story in an editing mode, I didn't think, what can I cut? But what is my story about? Everything else is superfluous. And I like that not only in writing, although I, I definitely like that thought there, but in my life, God has given me callings. He's given me things that he's put in front of me for me to do. And if I'm not true to that, then I'm not being faithful with where I'm planted, right? So what are those goals? What are those priorities that God has set in front of me? Everything else is superfluous, right? Mm, absolutely. That's fantastic. I really like how you have separated this out for us. You've given us some thoughtful, practical application to be able to improve our writing environment. So there's a lot that we can take away from this episode and we don't have to do everything, but if we can apply a few of the items that you have offered up to us, it can make a huge difference in our writing journey for this coming season, this coming year. So mm. these are fantastic. All right. Now, number five is kind of like a, okay, this is kind of like a hidden thing or a surprise thing. Mm -hmm. So I want to know what tip number five is. Tip number five is called B-I-C, and it stands for butt in chair. <laughs> if you have to glue yourself to the chair, you just can't get away from it. You just, you have to sit down and do the thing. God has called us to this amazing task, this amazing journey to be paper missionaries, if you will. And so... Tip number five is all about being diligent with that calling. And I do like that. And I do like paper missionaries as well. I know I've heard you say that before, and that's just mm -hmm. a, that is kind of what we do. 
is we put on paper what needs to be out in the world as Mm. Father has led us to do it. So thank you. Thank you for that. Sarah, you have given us so much. Thank you. This has been extremely helpful. And I think going into our new season, this is something that everyone can utilize. It doesn't matter if you're an Mm -hmm. aspiring writer. It doesn't matter if you're a best-selling author. There's something in here that you can take, tweak it for your uniqueness Mm. and utilize it and God will bless it. So this is, this is most excellent. I do have a question for you, Sarah Turnquist. What brings you joy? What brings me joy? I would have to say that my family brings me joy. I was raised in a home where family was very important. My, my family of origin still is very important. We still get together frequently. In fact, when my mom was alive, if I didn't talk to her for a couple of days, she would be calling the cops. You know what I'm saying? What's happening to you? Where are you? What's going on? Um, so being in touch with my family, being a part of that family is very important. And so my kids and my husband, our little family unit brings me so much joy watching my kids grow in their understanding of the Lord and who he is and watching them just grow in general has been such a joy. It's, it's not a journey for the faint of heart, but (laughs) it is a joy. It is a joy. I just love family. Family gives us such opportunity. It gives us opportunity to grow. It gives us opportunities to love. It gives us opportunity to learn about ourselves. And it certainly does give us joy moments. So this is this is very good. Well, mm-hmm. as we're wrapping up, I know you have an exciting thing that is uh, kind of igniting for the first time in 2022 share with our listening audience what it is that you have going on. Well, my husband and I, as Mountain Summit Press LLC, are putting on the our very first indie publishing retreat in Franklin, Tennessee. It's just outside of Nashville. But my husband and I are both hybrid authors. So we have some books with a publisher and some that we have indie produced as well. So we'll have Dave Chesson there, the Bridgmans, Hallie and Greg, Hannah R. Conway, and more. It's going to be a very exciting time. It's going to be more of a retreat type setup. And I'm just super, super excited about it. And we do have the website. Of course, I'll have all of this available in the show notes. But if you go to I, the lowercase I, publishretreat.com, you'll find out more information. In my show notes, I've got all things Sarah for you to be able to get a hold of Sarah Turnquist and find out more about what she writes, where she's going to be, of course, finding out about the iPublish retreat as well. And Sarah, it has been a joy for you to be here. And thank you. I know that you have a download of our tips, some of what we've discussed today that uh, you are giving to our listeners as well. So I greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much for being on. Absolutely. Thank you. This has been a wonderful experience. It's easy when my guests are just really collected and they know exactly what it is that they're going to bring. I love it. Makes my job so easy. Thank you once again. And thank you, friends, for joining us. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review. Because what you have to say matters as much as what you have to write. 
This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being here with you next time on Your Best Writing Life. <laughs>